Hello and welcome to We've Made It, a new podcast all about crafting. Discover your next craft project. In each episode, we'll be chatting about our latest makes, talking about common craft problems and how to fix them. Plus, we have some really exciting guests coming up soon. I can't wait to share those with you. I hope you enjoy the episode. On with the show. Welcome back to We've Made It, a new podcast brought to you by the craft website Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orm. In this episode, I'll be joined by my co-host Zoe Williams to talk about our love of vintage patterns. We'll also be chatting about how to recreate retro looks from TV and film and getting nostalgic with some 70s recipes. So Zoe, what are we going to talk about this week? So I'm very excited. I probably will start every week by with the I'm very excited prefix. But this week we're going to talk about vintage patterns that we have in our collections and that our friends and family have in their collections and why we love them, which is pretty much the perfect podcast theme because there's lots to say. Yeah, I mean, I've got a bit prepared. We're going to be talking a little bit about vintage clothing on TV and film, which is something I'm always really fascinated by how they come up with the outfits and quite envious of people who've got the skills who can make their own which is something I'm a bit <laughs> a bit inadequate at, but I, I still admire it and I still love looking at all the clothes. Yeah, I think that came through for me when I was sort of having a dig around at which sort of various knitting patterns and sewing patterns I have from, from yesteryear um, in my collection. I sort of love that you get this real glimpse into how creative people used to be with making their own wardrobes. And we have lost that a little bit, I think, in the current day with sort of fast fashion and online ordering like you forget how much people used to actually create their own fashion at home yeah I mean I think some of it was born out of necessity because you couldn't back then just go and and buy something off the shelves you know people made their own wedding dresses and everything I mean and not really even that long ago um yeah although having said that my mum has used to make matching clothes for me and my sister this is (gasps) this is back in the 80s so we had like those little little floral dresses with little bunched sleeves and, um, you know, smocking on the front. Oh, the smocking, the 80s smocking. Yeah, classic smocking. Yeah. And we and we had matching haircuts, so people did think we were twins. <laughs> like not in a sort of the shining way. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I found some good like doll and sinister, sinister doll and twin things in some of the patterns that we're going to talk about later. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the sort of, I thought we could start with a chat about just what makes vintage patterns such a wondrous thing and why so many people treasure them and that glimpse into past fashions and um styles of previous decades is definitely up there for me yeah so what what have you found then show me your your findings oh I don't even know where to start so um one thing I did notice I have noticed um in recent years is that I'll go into my vintage patterns in a moment but what I love is how enduring vintage designs are. So we work with a couple of magazines like The Knitter and Today's Quilter, for example, where these heritage designs and these vintage styles are very much still coming through as, as hugely popular. Um, so what I loved is that a lot of the old patterns that, I'm, that we're going to talk about, you could still knit them or sew them today. Like the actual tech, a lot of the technical how-to guides and everything are still exactly the same techniques that have been handed down, which is why I geek out to oblivion about vintage patterns. 
Um, I'll show you one of mine first before I get into others. Well, so I'm going to show Sarah. Obviously, you can't see if you're listening to this. So we could put some, we put some pictures, Sarah, I in the notes that, or something? Yeah, well, I, we can't put them in the notes, but if we have an article on the website, we'll put, definitely put them on there. Yeah, so this is one of my favourites at the moment. So I don't know if you can see me, Sarah, but it's um how it's like a vintage cross-stitch samplers book. Ooh. Um, I don't know if you're listening at home if you ever get this, but do you ever get that pure, or for you, Sarah, have you had that pure draw you just find things in a charity shop? I just love it when you're like, this is craft treasure. And this was one of those for me. And so I've been cross-stitching for since I was like 13. And I've always been fascinated with samplers because they have so much history sort of embedded in the designs of them. And this book I actually got because it's how to create your own designs. And again, this ties in with that thing about how the techniques are still applied today. So I bought this so I can create sampler designs of my own. But also it has all this amazing, so it was a 1990 book. So it's actually not that vintage. Or was it 80s? I think actually 80s. So I have actually learned a lot about the history of cross-stitch samplers from it, as well as the practical. And I thought I would share a couple of gems. Ooh, so, yes, please. Did you know, which many people, this may be public knowledge and you're quite clever, cleverer than me, Sarah. <laughs> That's very nice. So I think you might so. know this. But in the medieval period, up to the end of the 14th century, English embroidery was considered to be the best in Europe and was known as English work. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I mean, I do know that English um, women stitched the Bayer tapestry. Ah, well, that's probably connected, I imagine. Yeah, I, I imagine so. That. Um, and so apparently it was carried out by guilds of craftsmen and women who were mostly centred in monastic houses. But that idea of the guilds obviously still has continued to present day, which is ties back to that thing which I love in that it's such a connect. This is such a connection with um, the past traditions of sort of our grandmothers' grandmothers, because um, you still have sort of you know the um, quilters' guild and the embroiderers' guild. So um, that was my first fact I've learnt from this book, which is glorious. And my other one is that samplers were mentioned in Shakespeare. Really. Um, Yes, and probably in quite a lot of other um, history, uh, you know, historical texts, I imagine. But in A Midsummer Night's Dream, there's a line where they say, we, Hermia, like two artificial gods, have with our needles created both one flower. Oh. So I just sort of love it that I'm, we're still here today, cross-stitching samplers, and Shakespeare was talking about them, and, you know, English women were stitching the bear tapestry, and just I just love it. It's just... One of the things that really is one of my favourite things about crafts. Yeah, and it is quite a heritage thing as well. I mean, we, um, my granny passed away a couple of years ago, and when we were clearing out her house, we found all of her beautiful tablecloths that she'd embroidered. And I think she'd actually won um, a good housekeeping award for them. It, oh, which I think amazing! Is, that must have been very, like, the height grace. of achievement, I yeah. think. Back in the 50s. So she was that good and we've still got them and they are amazing. Did you know about the Good Housekeeping Award or did you find out from... I think I remember her telling me about them. Um, And she had the cuttings there, you know, with the information saying that she'd won. Yeah. Which is lovely. But yeah, I think I do remember her telling me when I was a child and at the time because I was a child, I was just not bothered (laughs) at all. (laughs) In that way that you are... But now I'm like, oh, I can appreciate actually the skill and the time that went into making it. 
And like Good Housekeeping is still like a really big brand. So that's sort of a new life goal for you as well. See if you can get a Good Housekeeping award. I I mean, I don't think I have quite that level of talent, but (laughs) something something to aim for maybe. Yet, Sarah, yet. (laughs) Um, So that was one of my first ones I was going to show you. Do you want to share one of the patterns that you were going to talk about today? So I... Do I have any specific ones? I think mostly I went into a bit of a wormhole looking at websites that have lots of vintage patterns. So here's mm-hmm. a few. So a few I found, um, So Direct is really good. That's got quite a lot of vintage patterns from, it's got Vogue patterns and ones from Bird of Style. Vintage Pattern mm-hmm. Warehouse, I also got sucked into looking at. And then I spent quite a bit of time looking at Claire Bradley's Instagram. So Claire, okay. who, Claire who won the Sewing Bee in 2020 for people who don't know and just admiring all of her 1940s makes oh yeah her vintage style was amazing yeah I love it with her that she it's not like it's a part-time thing it's that she's fully embraced it she wears it all the time it's not like she has a day off and wears jeans from what I can tell or or maybe she she does maybe she does but she seems to be fully committed to the vintage look which I quite admire yeah and it feels like her it feels so much like person of her personality as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, I also got a bit distracted with looking at period outfits from TV and film. And because I always watch things and go, how did I, they make that? Where can I find the pattern? Yeah. So started it off. So last year, I think it was when Little Women came out. I loved all of the shawls in that. Amazing, oh, gorgeous yeah. knitted shawls. So beautiful. And you can actually get the patterns for some of those. So on Ravel, so in the film, Beth has this really beautiful purple shawl. And there Mm. is a pattern for that, which you can find on Ravelry. So that one is from, I think, Fibre Workshop. So you can make your own Beth shawl. I love it. Amazing. It's it's so funny you say that as well, because when I watched Little Women, I was like, all the heart eyes for all the quilts. (laughs) Which really? is always what I am when I watch when I watch um, stuff about women in history. They're always making quilts or sat on these, be- especially in that film, these beautiful American bedspreads. You know, so intricate. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I think that's the difference between you and me. You're looking at the quilts. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at the cozy scarves because I love a cozy scarf or or a shawl, anything that will keep you warm and and comfy. So I was there going, how do I get a shawl? Where where can I make one? I want one. <gasps> So that was that was what was going through my head. I mean, I was (laughs) I was also following the plot, but part of me was going, they look great. Yes, that sounds amazing. Yeah. So I do have some other ones as well. So have you seen Knives Out with Daniel Craig? No, I haven't. Ah, so that one is kind of a detective story, but one of the characters in it, Marta, has this beautiful, I guess, scarf which is in blocks of colour. And there is actually another pattern for that one on Ravelry as well by Angela mm. Ray. And okay. it's it's really cool. It's like this really funky, colourful block scarf, which I think anybody could make. But it is the one, the same as the one from the film. So what year is that film set? Do you know, or like roughly what time period? It's set in modern times, but it's almost in the style of an Agatha Christie. Yeah. With okay, Daniel Craig it. doing... Um, well, I don't know if it's a good South um, Southern accent um, from America. So he's, your head is saying Bond, but your ears are saying Texas. 
so confused. It's very confused. I was just going to say with the colour blocking, though, that's one of the other things that I've really, when we started thinking about this topic, I love how you see these different styles and different fashions coming through, like in the vintage patterns. So like like colour block tops have been really big in recent years and lots of new fresh patterns coming out with them or colour block dresses. And then when you look back to sort of the 60s and you have that really strong like Mondrian clashing primaries, I love it. Yeah, I mean, actually, that brings me on quite nicely to Rebecca, which has been on Netflix yeah, recently. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, starring Lily James and um, Army Hammer. So I was reading an article about how they did the clothes for that, and their aim with the outfits they chose were outfits that were appropriate for the period, Yeah, but that you could also buy on the high street. Do you know what? When I watched that, I had the exact thought of how weird it is that all these vintage clothes look like you could walk down the street in them today. Yeah, and that's intentional, but you could absolutely wear any of those outfits and you could recreate them quite easily. And yeah, I mean, I was admiring actually, and I haven't been able to find a pattern for this one anywhere. There's a beautiful jumper that Lily James wears, um, which is sort of a scalloped knit. Okay, yeah. In in sea, like ocean colours. And nice. I've not been able to find anything like that anywhere. So if anybody does come across something and they think, oh, that is just the same, then, you know, let us know and we'll include a link to it. But it is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm sure a lot of people who are knitters are probably looking at it going, where can I get the pattern for that one? Yeah. Do you know, what? And speaking of that, do you remember then when the new series of The Crown came out recently, there was a lot of talk about Diana's knitted jumper? Do you see like the red one? It's like red with some kind of white print pattern on it. And I think that was going to be re-released. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if it was. I think it was re-released. It might have been Serdar. Oh, we'll have to track that one down. If we find that one, we'll definitely include a link to it in the show notes so that people can find it. I would describe it as gloriously 80s. Wow. Yeah, it was sort of like the jumpers that my grandma used to knit me when I was a child, but much more stylish and sophisticated in princess. Yeah. Yes. I think the versions of knitted jumpers that I wore in the 80s were not were not princess by any means. I actually found um, some knitted 80s stuff. when I, So I did a bit of a call out um, with, just to like around my friends and family when we were, knew we were going to do this theme, just to find out what vintage patterns they had lying around at home as well. And oh my God, I've never had such a big response from a post. So many people were like sharing the things that they owned and the reasons they treasured them. And there were some amazing 80s sort of designs in here. I mean, there was my um, my friend Yana sent me all these like kids patterns from the early 80s. And you know how like the style of children's clothing has really changed? So obviously in current times, certainly in the mainstream high street, it's all pink and blue and very much these. Are, um, and now it's moving towards more neutral colours and less sort of gender based. Well, in the early 80s, everything was primaries, wasn't it? And like, much less like finessed. Yeah, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm actually having kind of flashbacks to the jumpers that I wore Mm -hmm. as a child in the 80s, including I had a rather fetching bright green Yogi Bear knitted jumper, which was amazing. And I think I, from what I remember, I used to team that up with like a blue, bright blue bobble hat with a snowman on it. And now I'm thinking yes. about it, I would quite like to learn how to recreate that little snowman hat because it was very cute. 
again, the pattern is probably out there somewhere still. Yeah, I expect so. My mum may even still have it. I think we do collect. I do think we do save these things. A lot of people, a lot of friends were telling me that they've got patterns that they initially, they learned to knit or cro- crochet from. So obviously in the days before the internet, and they've kept that pattern all this time or that book. And I've got a paper craft book that I was what got me really into paper crafting when I was younger that I've still kept. And I've also got, which I really is real family treasure, some of my mum's patterns. And I didn't even know she kept them. So she must have moved house with them for years. And I did want to share a quite a funny thing from them, if that's okay. Oh, yes, please. So um, aside from the fact that they have possibly the most terrifying dolls fashion parade article, I think this may have been good housekeeping, possibly, um, with these quite sinister dolls with very strange bouffant hair that you can like knit their clothes. Amazing. Um, this was my favourite one. So this is an advert. I don't know if you found this in any of your research, but the adverts in alongside the vintage patterns are such gold. Like they're such a glimpse into the past. And this one has, which has really tickled me, it turns out IKEA was not the first company to invent IKEA. Now, I'm, I'm, this is news to me, but there may be people listening who are older than me that knew about this. But it's an advert that says, furnish your home at half the normal cost with Ferny Kit. And then it says, um, a whole new range with that exciting modern Scandinavian look. Well, people are, that's what people say about IKEA. That's insane. That's and crazy. And it's got all these like, um, you can't see it very well here, but like build your own sideboard, build your own sofa. Yeah. Wow. So IKEA were not the first. Exactly. And I only, that was like a side effect of finding these amazing old knitting patterns of my mum's. Ah, that almost sounds like a conspiracy theory, doesn't it? It does. It's a bit suspicious. I'm like, I really thought IKEA had the idea first. Yeah, or maybe they've made us think that. Who knows? Or maybe this was IKEA <laughs> before they rebranded. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I wonder how I wonder how long we do keep these patterns lying around in shoe boxes or at the back of cupboards. I like, think people do keep them and I think they do get used and reused. I mean, because I know my mum, for example, she when we were little, she did knit us little baby cardigans and some of them were very intricate. But I think she gave a lot of them away, you know, to other new mums. But she's yeah. recently started making them again and they are incredibly complicated. And you look at them and think, the baby's only going to wear this for maybe a month because it'll outgrow them. But they are really beautiful and... She's still using the same old patterns that she used Mm. in the 80s. And some of them may even be older than that. I really love that about um, craft patterns that they don't particularly, I mean, some of them do date, as we will discuss today, and the styles come come in and out of fashion. But I think especially with baby knitting, like my mum-in-law has knitted these intricate lace and baby blankets for every grandchild in the family. And that's such an heirloom gift, isn't it? Like we will always keep those and hand them down. Yeah. So have you got any more patterns to show me? Because I know you've got a bit of a collection. Have you got any favourites? Of my own? or Well, I do have some favourites. Um, oh, where to start? Uh, so I was going to show you my Needlecraft book that I brought in a charity shop. It's separate across each one, but actually it's most of it hasn't really dated. So instead I'm going to show, show you some of these, which are some of my favourite vintage um patterns I found in my research for this. So this is my friend Claire's pattern. I don't know if you can see, but it's how to make a carry seat for a toddler. 
So the gist is, I know, isn't it amazing? Like, um, basically, if you're listening, um, two people carry sort of two handles and the toddler sits in a cradle in between. And the caption says, for tiny folk, which sort of sounds like it's for fairies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like a bag for life with two leg holes is kind of how I'm seeing it. Um, I mean, that's just incredible. Just stick your toddler in a bag. It's fine. Yeah, if anyone's listening and you sort of are commissioning new sewing patterns, then maybe that should be um, rediscovered. And then this one, also beautiful. And I wonder if we've lost the art of stylish loungewear in these modern days of sort of like stretch knits and everything. But this is how to make a Grecian nightdress. Oh, wow. Uh Uh-huh. And so this is sort of this very ornate pattern with a very sort of like quite sexy, really, like smocked bodice with like these very beautiful silk straps going over the shoulders because obviously it was you wouldn't go like strapless in the old days because that would be very scandalous um yeah i mean how many of us actually spend loads of time sewing a beautiful nightdress now i think it's it's an underrated skill Um, i made some pajamas once you don't look impressed they, they didn't look as good as that. I did not look like this in them, <laughs> just say. <laughs> yeah, I have to say from that picture, even though she's pretty much fully covered, it does still make her look as though she's quite alluring just from her her pose. I know. I guess maybe it's that 60s and 70s housewife, like, you know, always be beautiful for your man type thing, you know, could be. Like, always be on standby in case they come home. Make sure you've got your makeup on, that kind of thing. Mm. It's a little bit Stepford Wives, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It certainly times have changed. I mean, my husband normally just finds me wearing a Harry Potter T-shirt and some leggings with stains on. Oh no, it's probably sharing a bit too much for this podcast. Oh, it's <laughs> too late. I've said it. <laughs> maybe we'll cut that out, <laughs> or maybe not. Ben, leave that in. <laughs> um, and I had one other one. I won't just talk at you constantly, but. Um, I had another lovely one um, from my family that my auntie sent me. So she um, does a lot of knitting using old patterns and she has a lot of 1950s and 60s knitting patterns. And she's making, I don't know how to show it to you, but um, it's from an old book called Peyton's and Baldwin's Woolcraft 16th Edition, A Practical Guide to Knitting and Crochet. And it's got this beautiful sort of like style, art deco style cover and all of the techniques step by step are just as relevant now as they would be decades ago. And she's making this um, green, it's got like this top, it's got like bell sleeves and a sort of drawn neckline um, that you sort of draw together with a string. And she's got the wool in a charity shop. And I just love that. So it's an old pattern and secondhand wool. And she's making a new dress out of it. Oh, that sounds really lovely. And I like the idea that you're using some vintage yarn or something like that as well you're giving it a new lease of life yeah me too I sort of like the double the double combo of that but it just had there were some really beautiful things in there and also things that have items of clothing that have possibly not survived the test of time shall we say oh yeah so you can make long johns Uh, I don't know who's knitted long johns recently but possibly not that many of us uh what were the other ones okay so uh, ladies knickers so knit some ladies knickers or a, or a ladies bed jacket I'm sorry knitted knickers 
Yeah, you know, like the like you know the big sort of bloomers type oh, things. Oh, okay. I was yeah, imagining it's something amazing. a bit more a bit more intimate than that. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't see that internet. Um, many classic twin sets. Um, and then for men, you could. Oh, that was my favorite. Yeah. So for men, you could you could knit men's underpants. And again, these were like the big sort of like you'd imagine um, Scrooge wearing in um, Christmas Carol. To you know, keep out the, the bed hat. So I like to keep out the drafts. Yeah, like thermals. Amazing. Oh, and it's just, yeah, complete I mean, treasure trove. Yeah, so, I mean, these could be, you know, great presents for people. Bring them yeah. back. I know, exactly. I mean, we're spending more time at home now. So, you know, maybe now's the time to bring back the bloomers. Well, I think, well, now we've got the patterns. <laughs> maybe that's something we need to put on Gathered. Yeah. Maybe. Actually, it really is. And what's a trousseau? A trousseau? I don't know. What is a trousseau? Oh, it's some sort of bridal thing. Oh, yeah. It's it's something like blankets people have to take with them when they start their married life, like linens and stuff. Yeah, so that was it. So one of them had, like, how to make your bridal trousseau. Collection of possessions such as clothing, jewellery and linens that the bride prepares for her wedding day and her marriage. Wow. Yeah. I find weird about that kind of thing. It's it's the type of thing that you'd be making probably when you're still quite young. Maybe even as a child, you'd be making this. I must be ready for when I'm married. Yeah, I think I remember my late grandma saying to me, have you got your bottom drawer ready? Have you heard that phrase? No. Yeah, it's very, it's sort of, I think it's similar to a trousseau. Like, have you started collecting your things for your married life? Wow, that's a but, real little glimpse into social history there, isn't it? I know. So, like, for example, if I was to buy a vase, the implication being that as a single young woman, I wouldn't need a vase. But once I uh, officially grew up and got married, then the vase would sort of, then it would be appropriate to put flowers in a vase. It's so what? funny. So any married ladies can have vases? I don't know. But it was that was the kind of thing. I said, well, what do you mean a bottom drawer? And she was like, you know, that's the kind of things that, your nice things that you prepare for your married life. Oh, I mean, I kind of like the idea of that in a way. It seems quite sweet, but... Maybe today you would put different things in your bottom drawer. <laughs> I try not to laugh too much at what we may possibly have in our bottom drawers. But yeah, I think also maybe it's just that definition that it's not so much for married as when you have your own house, for example, or it's not so much because you're waiting for a man to complete your life now, is it? It's no. more possibly that you're waiting until you, I don't know, have a bigger house if that happens. I mean, yeah, certainly before I had a house, I would make things in preparation for having a house. And I'd be like, when I have my house, I will use this. Yeah. Well, now I can lend you this, like, how to make a trousseau article. Yes. As as a single lady, this is something I... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should be doing. Otherwise, I'll disappoint my husband. <laughs> we can't have that, Sarah. No. Um we were saying, weren't we, about that sort of the advice in some of the older patterns can be quite comical as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't have it with me, but I did find a brilliant book, um, which was advice for the modern wife, I think it was called, something like that. And it, my mum probably has it still around the house somewhere. But it had such gems in it as, um, you know, dinner party entertaining. Um, yes. And it had, I seem to remember, quite quite funny tips for how to run a good dinner party so it was saying that you might have guests who are from different backgrounds so say like your husband's boss 
and your auntie, yeah. your, your great aunt Mildred, who might not get along with some of the younger, more fun guests. So you tell them different times to arrive at the party. Oh. So you have like a two shift party. So you have the people who aren't going to get along with anybody else, maybe at the first session. <laughs> and then later on, you have the new guests arriving maybe at eight o'clock. And it's like a phased party where, yeah, these two groups don't mingle. I feel like that is social advice that hasn't dated, to be honest. Who wants to be, you know, hosting when you've got people that don't, you know, the social chat doesn't flow. That's yeah, awkward. Exactly. So, but you can avoid that completely with this advice. You can have your guests arriving in shifts. You just have to make sure <laughs> the shifts don't overlap and that you can get people out the door. And that is essentially what it said. So I hope I've, that's revolutionised your future party. My party planning. I feel like you need to really... Lend me that once we've finished recording this podcast so I can yeah, I, learn more life I, tips. I, yes, I will find it. It did have other gems like um, barbecues are becoming increasingly popular. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is <laughs> very much shows the age of the book. But it had it was quite funny because it had everything. A modern housewife was expected not only to be able to cook, but also to um, look after the pets, put in a damp course, oh. um, fix the roof, uh, <laughs> everything <laughs> uh, and probably all with immaculate eyeliner and um exactly loungewear i reckon so i reckon she would come down from fixing the tiles back on the roof and put on a dress and be ready for her husband a dress that she had made herself obviously exactly maybe today we're just not trying hard enough <laughs> i think um this idea of sort of the comedy of old advice is something else that's tickled me when I've been reading the detail of the old patterns I found. So um, this is a, an extract from a Learn to Crochet and Coats guide that my friend Cara lent me for this. Um, and it was published in 1967. And uh, check out this intro, Sarah. It's just really tickled me. Today, when crochet is enjoying such unprecedented vogue, it is natural that many women of all ages will wish to become accomplished in this fascinating craft. Like, that's just amazing because crochet is still now, like, one of the coolest crafts. So many young people do. It's, not, it's very much not a granny craft. And people were saying that in the 60s and they're still saying it now. I love it. Yeah, although that does remind me of a book I read where um, it was like a romance book. I think it was Sophie Kinsella's Can You Keep a Secret? And one of the yeah. characters in that is portrayed as very uncool because she likes to crochet. And I don't think that would be true now. Well, I wonder, did did craft go through an uncool phase at some point? Because I certainly remember people used to, people, my friends would often mock me for cross-stitching when I was in my late teens and early 20s. But I feel like needle craft has never been trendier than it is at the moment. So I mean, you could say that you were just, a, you were ahead of the curve. You were, yes. you were a trendsetter. <laughs> Leading the way. But surely, like most of us who make things and craft things, have found it enduringly appealing, sort of, whether or not it was fashionable. Yeah, I think there there is an enduring appeal, certainly. And I think a lot of these patterns, we were talking about this earlier, a lot of them you could still wear today. I mean, and actually on that, I had another... TV program that I've been looking at. So I am absolutely obsessed with The Queen's Gambit, which is on Netflix. Oh, so I've had that recommended, yeah. It's really good. So basically, it's about this orphan called Beth Harmon, who turns out to be a chess prodigy. 
And it's all about how she learns to play chess, how she moves through a male-dominated world and basically shows what women can do. And, you know, is there there beating all of these men who basically dismiss her and are asking her what she's doing there? But part of the show, which is really clever, is how her style evolves. So when she's an orphan, she basically has, like, the orphanage haircut yeah. That, that everybody gets, which is like a little bob with a fringe. And she keeps yeah. the bob throughout the show, but it evolves and it becomes like more curled and pulled to the side. And her clothes change as well. But it's really clever how they've done it because it's, I would say, 50s and 60s style. It starts, I think, in the 50s and moves into the 60s. And her clothes evolve as it goes on. Yeah. And yeah, so a lot of it is geometric style. And okay, apparently that yes, was done. Cool. That, apparently that was done intentionally to echo the chessboard. I was going to say, is it because of the chessboard? Yeah, but they've done it in a really subtle way, so you wouldn't necessarily notice it. It's really well done. But I've been looking at um, the outfits, and you can definitely find similar things to the outfits that Beth wears in pattern stores. And there's one. There's an article I found which yaystitch.com.au has done. Okay, and they found a few outfits that are really similar. Um, she does also wear, wear, she also wears one really nice top, which has a Peter Pan collar combined with a little <gasps> ribbon. Oh, yes. And I think that would be really easy for you to replicate. And I think, uh, simply saying they've got a pattern on their Etsy store, which is quite similar that you could certainly adapt. Yeah, uh, they have got a Peter Pan dress. That does ring a bell. Yeah. So that's definitely the kind of thing that Beth wears in the show. And she also has a really lovely pussy bow blouse. Oh, Which yes. Is, that's really 60s, and that's definitely the kind of thing she would wear. And patterns for that are quite easy to find, quite readily available. Yeah, it's, you're right. You know, those Peter Pan collars, pussy bow blouses, like they are just as, they're just as stylish now as they were in the 60s. It's quite, it's, it's lovely that those styles have endured. Yeah, I mean, there's one scene in which she's wearing, um, she's got like a silk headscarf. She's got like a geometric shirt on and her eyeliner is just flicked up in that way that I can never do. Yeah, I never could either. I just look at the outfit and think I would wear everything that she's wearing. It's, yeah. But like I said, it's also just a really well-written drama as well. So you're there enjoying the storyline and also you can appreciate the amazing vintage clothes at the same time. Yeah. I actually found a really lovely crochet pattern for a collar and cuff set uh, from a vintage book when I was uh, looking up different vintage patterns for this. And so you basically crochet them and then add them to any outfit. Any outfit? An easy update. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess for the the cuffs and you'd want to have long sleeves rather than just wear the cuffs (laughs) loose. You know, you'd want to attach it to something with sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, quite like that idea. It's nice. It's a nice idea. It's an easy way to... Just update anything. Yeah, I think we have actually got a crochet collar on gathered. Maybe we might have to cut that out. (laughs) We don't. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think for any of the things we mentioned, we'll try and include, if we can, links in the show notes or we'll put something up over on the website, which is gathered.how. Yes. And as we did last time, um, I wondered if I could just quickly venture into baking when discussing vintageness. I know this isn't a, a craft pattern particularly but I found oh you've got one <gasps> yeah I found this novelty cakes book that again used to belong to my mother yeah and 
I have the mm. Hamlin All Color Cookbook, which it says has 1.5 million copies sold. <gasps> oh my God. From the, the 70s. I think a lot Imagine. of people listening, I think a lot of people listening will actually have had this cookbook. It seems to be one that was really popular. So the thing that I find that vintage cookbooks have in common with the vintage knitting and sewing patterns and needlecraft patterns is is partly just the amazing photography. Like some of it is just beautiful. Some of it is really hilarious. Um, this, for example, Sarah, I'm showing Sarah a picture of a cake, which is also, it's called an executive suitcase. So it's basically in the shape of a man's briefcase. <laughs> I mean, that is that is quite special. I, I think... say man's briefcase because we're talking vintage. Yes. In because... current times, it wouldn't be a man's briefcase. It would be anyone's. Yes. Back in the day, only um, men had briefcases. Yeah. <laughs> I, let me show you one. And I think this is the kind of thing that you would serve at your 70s dinner party. So this is a salmon mousse ring. <gasps> oh, yes. Now that um, has died a death in recent years. You don't see many salmon mousse rings. Yeah. So it's made of, it's got aspic spots. in it. To obviously help there's a lot of aspic in this book to help hold the shape and it's topped with thin slices of cucumber so i mean it it's hard to convey how 70s it looks it's really special but am this, i allowed to admit i don't know what aspic is i'm not entirely sure either like is it like a setting it like a gel like gelatin yeah it's I like imagine a, i think it's some kind of gelling agent but i'm not a hundred percent sure what it is <laughs> But yeah, this also has such delights as um, courgettes stuffed with bacon, um, oh, yes. bacon, hot bacon loaf, <laughs> which <laughs> which is a thing. Um, yeah, and I think there was chocolate pasta is another one. What, like it's, wait, so which way around? So it's pasta that tasted chocolate or chocolate? It pasta is, that's shaped like chocolate or chocolate that's shaped like pasta. Which combination, Sarah? It's your regular pasta, pasta yeah. shells, um, covered in some kind of chocolate sauce. Oh, wow. It is special. I may have the screen. I think I did take a screenshot of it. Let me see if I can share it with you. I feel like that's something my children would eat now, if given the chance, which they are not <laughs> given the chance. I mean, I don't know if you would want to. <laughs> <laughs> thing is i mentioned to it to my mum and she said but that sounds quite nice um mm. oh there's the bacon loaf lovely what else have i got there's some i shared some of these on twitter a while back and they just went absolutely viral because they are some of them are quite disgusting um and there's only one book recipe in the whole book that's for vegetarians <laughs> ah you uh, might like yeah. this one you might like this one i'm gonna screen share so i can show you this to you can you see that apple macaroni pudding yeah what is happening here my eyes and brain are so confused yeah so it's basically macaroni covered in butter brown sugar and apple puree uh, um, amazing that sounds delicious doesn't it i mean you would eat <laughs> you would eat that right um would i maybe i would just out of curiosity i mean in the 70s you would let me find you another one. I think I had another. Oh, I need to open it. Oh, there's a vegetarian salad. Oh, I don't seem to have a screenshot of the um, the chocolate one. Is it all salad vegetarian? Um, By its nature. I do have a nice uh, sausage bean feast here that has pineapple <laughs> in it. 
a taste combination that I didn't know I was missing. Yeah, I mean, who knew you were missing the sausage bean feast? But I think the chocolate pasta is certainly a highlight of that book. <laughs> and actually, there's there's some recipes in here from somebody who you might have heard of, Mary Berry. <gasps> yes! So, Mary Berry! Um, yeah, so Mary Berry has put her name to some of these recipes. I'm not sure. I feel like she probably wouldn't have been the chocolate pasta. Um, <laughs> but there are baking recipes in this book that my mum uses has used and does still use so it's not all it's not all dodgy but some of the recipes are very odd to put it mildly yeah I definitely want to see that book when we finish recording yeah certainly and I'll um I'll share some more pictures of it because <laughs> some of the some of the pictures are really they just take you back in time you just look at them and you're in the 70s and maybe that is that comes back to the thing that we love about these old patterns is it is such a it's such a time just a glimpse into the decades before us, um, and just looking again at some of mine, like I've just got to say, Sarah, the tank tops are very special. Really, the tank tops over a form a crisp formal shirt. Yeah, amazing. I love it. I know. Incredible. I love seventies style though in general. So I think I think the seventies ones might be my favourite. Yeah, I think there's something about 70s style that, well, 60s and 70s style, which it's very distinctive, but at the same time, a lot of it you could still wear today. You could get away with it. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I did have a little dabble in making my hair. In my head last year, I tried to grow my hair long and I my I was going for a Jane Fonda, sort of Charlie's Angels, like long, flowing because I was listening to a lot of 70s music at the time. Um, but it really didn't work. It just looked like I hadn't been bothered to cut my hair, which was actually secretly what was going on. I mean, but, I think um, I think over lockdown and everything, a lot of people... <laughs> I mean, I think one of my achievements the past year is growing my hair. Yes. Uh, many of us experimented in new ways on lockdown last year. Did I tell you the story that I cut mine with a pair of um, nail scissors? <laughs> no. I did. I thought, well, because I'd had such success cutting my family's hair on lockdown, that I thought, oh, I'll just do mine now. What scissors have I got to hand? Oh, these nail scissors. But I have really thick hair, and it was hugely unsuccessful. <laughs> but nobody saw. Well, that is that. I mean, if there were any upsides to lockdown, I think that is one of them that you could look a bit of a mess, and that nobody would really know. And you could attempt to cut your own hair with a pair of nail scissors. <laughs> Don't try this at home. <laughs> exactly. So we always like to wrap up the podcast with our projects of the week. So Zoe, what is your project of the week? Hold that thought because I've actually lost the note with it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I tell you mine then? Shall I tell you yes, mine? Please. Okay, so my favourite project this week is the Fingerless Owl Knitted yeah, uh, fingerless owl knitted gloves. Yes, say it that's properly. an amazing choice. Yeah, they're so, lovely. Yep. So this one is by Amanda Jones. It's from Simply Knitting Magazine originally. I just think it's really intricate and really clever. And they even have some little buttons that are for the eyes. It's really cute. They are definitely one of the most lovely patterns. Well, there's a lot of lovely patterns, but that is yeah. Who and who doesn't love a pair of fingerless mitts? Yeah, they're very practical and you can still do stuff with your hands there's there's nothing getting in the way i want to see i want to see your version of them when you get around to making them i think it would look like one of those fails you have on pinterest (laughs) (laughs) 
I will eventually get around to doing that one though. It's on my list to do. What about you? So what's your craft project? Ah, so my project of the week is, um, it's a refashion. So it's a how to turn a pair of old jeans into a lunch bag. Um, it's by Jess Entwistle. And it was originally published in Simply Sewing magazine. And it's just a really clever little way of, I always end up having a pair of jeans that I've ripped through the knee of or something. And then they sort of sit around for ages and I don't do anything with the fabric. We actually have quite a few different denim refashions up on the website, mostly from Simply Sewing magazine originally. And this is just one of them. And I think it's a really clever idea. Um, you can, we've also got things for like how to make bunting out of jeans and things like that. And we also got have got a DIY beeswax wraps, how to make beeswax wraps video as well. But the lunch bag idea, I just think it's a bit clever. It does sound a little bit unhygienic when I first said it, how to turn old <laughs> jeans into a lunch bag. Wash them first. <laughs> yeah. And of yeah. course, you know, make sure you put your sandwiches inside something else as well. Wrap them up. Don't just have them Tuck loose. them around loose in there. But I just really like that idea that sort of using fabrics from our old wardrobe um, that are no longer worn for a practical purpose that also cuts down on waste, you know, and cling. Well, no, as we said, you not cling. Anyway, ignore that bit. I like the idea of reusing old fabrics. Yeah. Yes, and of course, we'll include some links to this in the show notes for people as well. So you can go and find these or you can just go over to gather.how and search for them and you'll be able to find those quite easily. So we are going to wrap up with our good thing of the week. What's your good thing of the week, Zoe? Uh, My good thing of the week, I actually thought of before you started talking earlier, but it's very topical for this podcast. I just watched the film Midsummer. Um, I don't know if... Have you seen it? Yeah. I um, don't do horror films. So. A lot of people say that. So it is a horror. So you haven't seen it. I have not seen it. I know <laughs> I know of it and vaguely know what happens in it, but I don't think I would choose to watch it. Well, for those uh, listening who are interested, it's um, it came out a couple of years ago and I was interested in it because it just looked really different. So I'm not a huge horror fan, but I also do watch quite a lot of different films, including some horrors. But this one, it's all set around... The main character, Danny, goes on, she's she's grieving after a family tragedy and she goes to visit this remote community in Sweden and to, to for this once in every 90 years folk festival and it's all shot in sunlight because um, it's like midsummer in Sweden. So it's a bit unlike a normal scary movie because it's you don't have the dark jump and it's just this beautiful, immersive film um, and all of the folk art, like there's murals everywhere for sh- and tapestries sort of foreshadowing. It gets freaky, you know, it gets very freaky at the end. But all the costume inclu- is uh, made using vintage linen and original embroideries from Scandinavia. So it has a real lovely vintage craft um, feel woven throughout it. And they have all these floral headdresses and things that were hand-stitched by the costume designer. Um and yeah, so Andrea Flesh, her name is, if you're interested in this. I went down a real wormhole of Googling all the outfits and the design in Midsummer. So not only is it a very freaky film, which you shouldn't watch if you don't like horror, Sarah, but the folk art and the vintage craft in it is, oh, my heart, it's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I won't watch it, but <laughs> it does sound really interesting hearing about the design and the art that's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what I I really enjoyed this week. 
Although I didn't enjoy the ending. It was very scary. Uh, what about you? Yes, well, we've already talked about my good thing because it's the Queen's Gambit. It <gasps> of is, course. It is incredible. Would highly recommend it to anybody. I mean, I enjoyed it so much that I've now ordered a chess set. So I, I think that will tell you something about how good it is. It's really clever. Do you know, I can actually imagine you being one of those people that discovers they're a chess natural. Um, I would say that's not likely to happen. I was in a chess club as a child. So I think <gasps> if I was a prodigy... I knew it! I know I'm very nerdy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think if I was going to be a prodigy, I would have discovered it by now. I'm a bit late to, <laughs> to be a chess prodigy. Well, time will tell. Has your new chess set arrived yet? Uh, I ordered it and they've actually sent me a drafts board instead of a chess board. <laughs> so, oh, so I was no. hoping to be playing it later and I am still waiting. Maybe a drafts prodigy then. Yeah, it's also backgammon, which I've never played. So (laughs) that would be interesting to try. Um, So I wonder if our our favourite thing each week is always going to be vintage television (laughs) or vintage inspired television. No, I don't think it will be. I think (laughs) sometimes it will be other things. Sometimes it will be books. Sometimes it will be, I don't know, really nice cake. (laughs) No, wait, that was the last one. Yeah. Maybe I'll make some of the novelty cakes that we've discussed this week. Yes. Um, maybe I should have a go at the chocolate pasta. <laughs> I'm sorry, the thought of that just like, I'm not one over. No, I'm not convinced. Yeah. But if you're listening <laughs> to this, um, maybe you could let us know what your favourite and your worst vintage patterns are that you own. Like what are the ones that you love and what are the ones that you just think are glorious Uh for the how how well or poorly they've dated. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We're gathered, so you can just look for us and we'll pop up. Yeah, and we would really we really would love to hear about any vintage patterns that you have in your collection or any ones that you've knitted, any things that you've knitted or sewn or made using vintage patterns. Like it's just such a joy, to, it's such a communal shared experience that we all have these patterns in our homes. So please do share. Yeah, and we particularly want to hear if you found any really weird ones. Yes, oh, please. Any any scary dolls, please tell us. Yeah, you're going to have to show me the scary dolls later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't want to give you nightmares. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of We've Made It. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and leave a review. And of course, you can get in touch with us to share your own vintage craft projects on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Gathered. And don't forget, you can find your latest craft project over on our website, gathered.how. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.